upset about with with, uh, with this one uh hello there good afternoon good evening good morning whatever time of the day or night whatever day it is that, th- that you're hearing me it's my pleasure to be speaking with you my name is easy weave this is easy does it on dogs by nature uh post game of another browns win today this time coming in the natty uh victorious by a final of 35 to 20 so a 15-point victory. Oh, first time we've beaten the Bengals. You know, we never beat the Bengals under uh, Hugh Jackson, his his former and now current team. And yes, the 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 moment that and and you know, look, there's I, I know like you, I was like the whole time in the second half. Like, oh, is this is this kid Driscoll actually going to do this? Am I actually going to be haunted by Jeff frigging Driscoll of all people? You know, making me. Uh, you know, not necessarily eat my criticism, but just uh, I, he played out of his mind from my expectations uh, of him. And for those of you that have been with me for a while, you know what my overall opinion of. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got a history with the guy. Uh, nothing against him personally, but just it's a thing. But kid played out of his mind. But also, you know, in a situation where we were really kind of making it available for him to, you know, when you come into the game and you're down by 28. Uh, you know, he put he ends up putting together a couple of touchdown drives, and really, and really, we stopped them on one of them. But then Jannard Avery makes a, a bonehead rookie move, hitting the guy, hitting Driscoll low, and you know there, that was all that you needed. That was it. He ends up uh, going and uh, getting a a intentional. Not an intentional grounding, it was a uh, an unnecessary roughness, roughing the passer penalty that ended up extending the drive, and they're able to cash in and get a touchdown. And on the the before the half, you've got a couple of plays. Miles on a second and twenty absolutely blows up their left tackle as he was doing routinely today, and which you know kind of to be expected, but then uh, ends up not getting Dalton to the ground. Dalton's able to scamper free and get a big uh, gainer. And then later on, on that same drive, this is right before the half, you got Breon Body Calhoun perfectly diagnoses the, or I should say the the defense perfectly diagnoses what the offense is doing and the call has him right in position to drop I think it was Mixon for a huge loss. He ends up going right by him and it ends up being a huge play. So they end up scoring on that drive. Uh, And then the other scoring drive, Perfect pass, probably maybe the best pass will end up being of his career, uh, aided by... So, so point is, plenty to work on still. But, my friends, you know, how, how, how far removed are we from the, the notion of... Uh, you know, we we were. I mean, coming into this season, I was just like I was on the whole. You know, just one before I die. But I, you know, I meant literally, just give me one win. I'd like to see us win one more game before before I slip the surly bands of this of of, of this uh, terrestrial uh, universe and into the next one. I, I, it's now the fourth win of the year. We are now four, six, and one. 
on the season, and the guys were pointing out, you know, it's still very much in the playoff. I'm not thinking. I'm not talking about, you know, playoffs. I'm not. That's not. I'm not going there. Not where my mind's at at all. I'm just going to enjoy this one for what it was. This was a continuation of, I think, so far, what we've seen as the most impressive rookie season on record at the quarterback position. Certainly, if this, I don't, and I don't know what the. Um, what the the stats bear out on this and i don't have my i don't have i don't have magical internet capability in front of me here to uh to well maybe i do to find out but where where mayfield is at baker we're rookie quarterback baker mayfield number one overall pick in the draft this last season heisman trophy winner only walk-on player ever to win the heisman trophy out of oklahoma the reason that's important to point that out is because Heisman Trophy has never Heisman Trophy has always been one of these things that if you win the Heisman, we talked about this before, it's a it's like a black mark against you. But that whole was the only walk on ever to win the Heisman. That says something. That says something important. You know, set the efficiency record his sophomore his uh, junior year and then broke it his his senior year. That says something. And then you see what he's able to do at the NFL level. Um, and through, well, I mean, I, I, some of the some of the statistics that have been put up were were pretty impressive, but on the year, see they ha- see they don't they don't have it updated for the game today, but he's got 17 touchdown passes on the year now against uh, seven interceptions. He had a rating of 87.5, a quarterback rating, which is different from QBR. Uh, he'll end up being over. So, with, you know, 17 touchdowns now. We are through. The record is 461. We're living five games left. And he also, I believe it was now four straight, four or five consecutive games throwing uh, multiple touchdown passes. Pretty doggone solid for the Rook. I guess Andrew Luck had a, uh, a pretty impressive uh, rookie season. <clears throat> And I don't have, uh, and I do remember it being, you know, it was a really impressive year for him. But I, uh, but what I, and maybe it's, and it's, it's probably not worth, quite honestly, getting into the whole uh, breaking down the the chapter and verse and the the whys and wherefores of whether or not it's, you know, Luck was a better rookie quarterback than Mayfield was is right now. It's certainly, there's no question about it. As far as we're concerned, as far as Browns people are concerned, we're not just seeing the best rookie quarterback play that we've seen, you know, by anybody ever. We're seeing the best quarterback play that we have seen by anybody since probably Brian Sipes uh, MVP season. And and then beyond that, there's not a whole lot of years that any quarterback has has played uh, at the level that Mayfield has played at. You look at the last, you know, two three games, three touchdown passes, no picks last week. Sets the efficiency mark for a rookie. This week, four touchdowns, no picks, and was completely in control. It's almost like you look at the stats and the final whatever they were. It was like nineteen to twenty-seven, or whatever, whatever it ended up being. And he wasn't perfect. He missed, you know, kind of that that uh, that you know that pass play to Higo, where he tries to thread it in there, make it perfect. And it's like a third and three, dude. We're in a spot where we're knockout punch here, you know, where you get a first down. And you know, okay, you'd like him to. And and there's a couple other ones where the the throw in um, at the beginning of the second half, I think, where he throws it again across his body. Kind of like the one against KC, the guy intercepted. Definitely don't want him doing that. 
Uh, maybe, but that you know what? Now that I think about it, that might have been one that was called back because of holding. I don't I, now. I don't recall. Uh, but look, there's things that you can look at through his performance and say he could do better at this or that. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. I have insanely high expectations of the kid, uh, so that's that's all fair. But you know, having insanely high expectations is just because I I I, I expect that he is going to be in you know probably by the end of this year, the way things are looking right now, but certainly by, like, I expect the way that Mahomes has looked, the way that my man Patrick Mahomey over there in Kansas City has looked so far this year is basically what Mayfield's going to look like next year. Maybe a little bit better because he's got experience this year that that, uh, Mahomey didn't get his rookie season. And you can have the argument about whether or not playing a guy versus sitting a guy is better his development, whatever. Uh, but you got a quarterback that's, you know, seven touchdowns, no picks in two games. That's, you know, that's, that's, you're, you're going to be, you're pretty psyched about that. Um, that's, 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 that's big boy quarterbacking. And, and that's what he's shown really all year. But then you had that period of time and there was a really, there's a couple of moments today that are, that really kind of define this game. Cause you know, you well know, of course, you know. We are all well aware that uh, Coach Hugh Jackson, our former coach, erstwhile coach, the guy that started this season as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, now the assistant to the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that we uh, we vanquished today, and really, and, and evidently his role there is to help out the defense. Well, <laughs> okay. Defense gave up uh, 35 points and a boatload of yards. Although they did a good job of, of shutting us down in the second half. But, you know, the second half, particularly when you get up, you know, we got up 35-7. to seven. When we, when they score that touchdown at the end of the first half, it's like, all right. But like I say, that was aided by some misses on our part. We really could have shut it down, gone in 28 to nothing at half. And 28 to nothing at half would have, would have been a lot different feel. But then they got that feeling immediately back when you get that snap by Billy Price, the Buckeye. Um, unfortunately, definitely got to talk about that. Go Buckos. Stomping out the Wolverines yesterday. Um, and yes, I did my dutiful job of, of talking endless amounts of smack to Corey about that. And I will continue to do so. Talk about people misreading that situation. But the uh, the defense today for the Bengals was just as porous as the Wolverines was. For, and look, we took our foot off the gas pedal, and that's 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 you know um, that I don't have a problem. We end up winning the game by fifteen. All right, and maybe you'd like to see this is this is Baker's what is it now? This is the there's been eleven games played. He came in uh, midway through the Jets game, so this would be his uh, what? Today was his eighth start, is that right? And he's played in nine games overall. You give him credit for the Jets' win. He's got, he's got credit for all the wins. So what is that? But he didn't start the... Uh, but he's okay, so you caught that in there. He's played nine games, and our record now with him as the starter is what now? Four, four, five, four and five, is that right? In, uh, in nine games, if you count the Jets' game? Okay, four and five as a starter. His rookie year. And I thought at the beginning of the year that if you would have started, I thought when if anybody would have drafted him, including us, that it would just be undeniable that uh, that you would start this kid, 
you know, immediately because he had that sort of talent. And if you're drafting him number, number one overall, it's because you don't have a guy that, or if you're drafting him, if you're drafting him, that means that you're drafting him top five, minimum. If, he, if we wouldn't have taken him for whatever stupid reason, then the Giants would have most likely gobbled him up there at number two or the Jets or who, somebody was going to take him. The idea that he was, and, and, and I've actually had a chance to, I didn't, uh, I didn't know how much I was going to get into this, but over the long... By the way, I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I did. It was great. It was tremendous. It was superlative. It was also combined with a long stretch being uh, off of my occupational responsibilities. So that was nice. Get the batteries recharged and so on. And this was a nice uh, finish to that whole you know period of time. But, of course, anytime the Browns win, it's it's big, it's special, it's nice. It's uh, it's superlative in its own right. And and today was no exception to that. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, certainly things that could be cleaned up. But a this is an offensive and defensive performance. And as I was getting at with, with Hugh Jackson being the – I don't want to get off the uh, – um, you know the overall train of thought about it, the you know the quarterback development. You know Mayfield being four and five now, but there's that stretch of of games in between there in those five. You know three at least of those five losses that are um, you know that that were as far as I'm concerned they were all sorts of hewed up. And if you look today. Um, you know the Bengals, like I said, they were able to, to do some stuff in the second half, offensively and defensively against us. I guess they ended up what outscoring us. 13 to 7 in the second half you want to look at it that way uh but we ended up winning the game by 15 and um the the overall game plan of you know Andy Dalton as the start you know their quarterback and what we were going to do uh, offensively against them we 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 came out and punched these guys in the mouth from the opening bell we continued punching them all the way throughout the first half we took it totally out of reach with Mayfield's fourth touchdown pass to begin the second half knocking out uh, Dalton in the process and while I realized that Driscoll was able to make some plays but it was all it was luck that they were even in a spot to make it a one possession game late which they ultimately weren't able to to do so you know what almost uh, blowing a big time win is um not blowing a big time win. It's a big time win today. That's really the the, the, the ultimate synopsis and the, the cherry on the Sunday. This was a big time win for the Cleveland Browns. They came out against a division rival and they uh, not they didn't even play I, check this out. They didn't even play as well as they could have played. They probably played their best overall performance of the season special teams i'm definitely ready to and and this is like you 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 have to be this is there's like exceptions to everything i always try to to have uh, moderation when it comes to universal proclamations of anything at all at the in the nfl but the um i am ready for amos jones to be gone and i don't care who I would absolutely trade Chris Tabor for Amos. You kidding me? That would be a, no doubt about it. Right now, gimme, gimme. I, I would, I, I would pull the trigger on that trade a hundred percent. But I, right now, there'd be no reason for you know Tabor's probably going to be part of a team that's going to hit the playoffs this year. So you know, no reason for he let he wanted to leave, and I am convinced that the reason he wanted to leave is and there there was there was a couple of of sweet moments in this game. One of them during the game, and one of them directly afterwards. As far as I'm concerned. Hugh Jackson, our coach. Hugh Jackson becomes the assistant to the head coach. And as we go up, after we go up, 21 to nothing. I'm pretty sure that was the sequence. We're up 21 nothing. 
stomping out his own team on their home on our home field. And Demarius Randall on and again it was you know Miles makes the no it wasn't this, on this particular play it wasn't Miles it was pressure from Joe Schobert Trema- great diagnosed uh, defensive play it was a bad pass caused by pressure which happens to every quarterback Dalton was harassed all day the whole time he was in there he was getting he he was get, the defense was giving him the business and this is exactly what you expect to happen or you, what you want to happen, the way our defense is currently set up. It's, it's reminiscent, I've talked about this before, of the way that the, the Colts were set up, where you've got um, Peyton out there putting up a bunch of points, and then you've got guys like Freeney and Mathis just chasing down the quarterback for the rest of the game. And yeah, from time to time they're going to miss, but more often than not they're going to get home, just like Miles ended up getting home. And yeah, he ends up giving up we end up giving up a freak um you know uh uh hitting the guy on the hitting him high low so Driscoll ends up getting another shot so that gets that gives him a touchdown that takes it to within a two score game uh but that but that's not close in other words don't feel like um it was fool's gold out there you saw us playing probably our best not just our well you definitely saw us playing our best defense or our best overall game of the year but i'm saying it's it's it wasn't a fluke and it's it was a it's a good team out there um i'm getting into that more i got to step aside have to do the you know we've been put, put, putting the the spots in here some people have been complaining about it uh, always like to hear the feedback on it but hey this is what happens we partnered up. We, we, we turned this into the big-time operation. So means you have to sit through some spots, but what I did is I cut out some of the you know the, 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 the local stuff, at least for, as much as we could. But I am Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. Browns win. Browns win. Yippee-ki-yay. Browns win. 35-20 over the Bengals. Talk at you again here in just a moment. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Yeah, I know. It's a tease. I said there were two moments. And the first one was Demarius Randall making the pick. And after making the pick... And a kind of a a, a seminal, um, just a, a moment there where it's got to be okay. It's like this: um, Hugh Jackson after getting fired, unlike Pat Shermer or Mike Pettin or uh, who am I missing? Rob Chudzinski, guys that have been also been fired in the Jimmy Haslam. Tenure, and probably you could also say the same thing about Eric Mangini or Romeo Cornell before him, or you know, well, Butch was a special circumstance, but you know, gets fired. They got those guys got fired and released statements like Sashi Brown did, saying, "Hey, I really, you know, I really appreciate my time and the opportunity. Things didn't work out, you know, the thing that you do 
Well, Hugh didn't do that. Hugh instead went on a, um, I guess you would call it an apology tour, and he was apologizing for having been associated with the, the stinky Cleveland Browns these last two and a half years. That, uh, that clearly everybody but him was the problem. And when you see a team that, you know, that he coached, he, he had a first, you know, a bird's eye view of that team that was on the field all year long. And look, it's one thing to go out there and do an apology tour, apologizing because you were part of the, of the Browns. Because you were trying to convince, an, like if he was doing that in order to convince the Bengals to rehire him, and who knows if that was even necessary. You know, there are some people, myself included, that speculated that, you know, he was sent to Cleveland just to screw us up. Um, but then, you know, if that wasn't what happened, then the Bengals just hired this guy back. Okay, so let's just say that everything was on the up and up, and he really believes everything that he said. Like, this is what I'm getting at. It's one thing if he was out there lying to everybody else in order to get another gig. It's one thing for him to lie to everybody else, but it's a whole other thing if he was actually out there telling himself that everybody is the problem but me. I, if everybody would just, you know, would just get on board with what I'm trying to do, if everybody would just get on my bus and do things the way that I want to drive my bus, that's the the reason I'm. That's the metaphor that he used during that. That I've, I've talked about this so many times because to me it was such a big deal when it happened. This meeting that he had on Hard Knocks, to the extent that you can believe anything that happens on that show. But it really made a difference. It made it made an impression on me when it happened. Him saying it's you know when Greg when when Todd Haley of all people is saying we need to be better. We need to we need to put these guys in a position that they're not you know they're not playing at the level that we need them to be playing at. If we're going to get where we say we want to get, and he was like, well, look, with all due respect, and that, he didn't say that. But you know how when people do say that, it basically opens up the floodgates. You know, with all due respect, your mother's a whore. You know, with all due respect, you are a child rapist, sir. I mean, there, it's basically there's no there, there's no amount of of uh, holding back. You don't have to. All decorum is thrown out the window. You know, by law, by you know, by legal, by legality. If you say, you know, with all due respect, and, and Hugh didn't say that, but it's like he, but it's it's almost like he said that because the next thing to my mind was about as disrespectful as you can as disrespectful as you can possibly be. I know that uh, you know I've sat where you guys have sat. As if some of those guys that were sitting there hadn't sat where he had sat, not necessarily in Cleveland, but in other places and different venues before as head coaches. And I've sat where you have sat, but you know you just got to understand you don't you don't realize what a big deal I am as the guy that's in charge here because you know I am the guy in charge. And like I always say, if you got to tell everybody that you're the guy in charge, then there's got to be some doubt. There's got to be some there's got to be some reason why. Either you don't buy it or you don't think that they believe that you are the guy in charge. And either way, if that's what's going on, you got a problem if you're supposed to be the boss man. And either way, probably the way of fixing it is not by telling everybody. That you, you know, going around telling people that you're the boss is usually not how it's done. But hey, what do I know? I'm just some guy talking on the internet. So maybe I'm wrong and Hugh had it right the whole time. But this is the whole point is that you have to, if he, if he this whole time had been telling himself, you know, 
Um, every if it, it was just everybody else, it was just those damn kids. He's you know the Scooby Doo. If it was just it just those, he's like the reverse Scooby Doo villain. So those damn kids wouldn't have uh, meddled in, in what I was trying to do. Well, then I could have had a winning thing. And so if that if that was what was in his mind up until this day today. And then you see that same Cleveland Browns team with that same rookie quarterback that you eschewed, that you also sat down at that final hard, like the final moment of hard knocks, like the final thing that happened on hard knocks. If you'll remember, was Hugh Jackson sitting down Mayfield and telling him what a big important deal it was that he was promoting him to backup quarterback over uh, Drew Stanton, who I affectionately refer to as Rex Skelton. Um... And I'm just sitting there watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, Hugh, chances are really good that you are not going to be around um, anywhere near as, or be as influential or matter as much in the long term or short term of this franchise as will the guy that you were. In other words, I'm sitting there like, who do you think you are? And the answer is, he's the guy driving the bus. So he's out there seeing this rookie quarterback that he didn't think was good enough to start. So instead, he brings in a guy who I love. I love Tyrod Taylor as a man, as a dude, as a person, in some ways as a player. But, you know, uh, it just wasn't happening. And it was really clearly obvious anytime you put the two side by side that, wow, wow, is Baker clearly, clearly more advanced right now, ready to go. And he showed that the moment that he stepped onto the field. And... You just you have to wonder. You got a couple. See, I'm really I'm really ruminating on this this moment because <laughs> this to me is such a huge. You know, I used the word seminal earlier. It's it's maybe that's not the right way. It's it's like a watershed moment for not just for every for everybody involved for all of the players involved. My players, I don't just mean the actual literal players of any of the teams or you know, particularly of the Browns. I'm talking about. Me and you, I'm talking about those of us that have been around this franchise, that have watched this for all of these, in my case, decades, for and you know, many years for, for those of you out there that have seen this gone on for as long as we have. This moment and and and, and the, the actual player involved and Hugh Jackson himself. That if he went into this game thinking it was just everybody, and today I'm going to... And then you see this kid go out there and show that he is the most advanced quarterback. It's not like that just happened, all right? It's not like all of a sudden, just within the last three weeks, he got this good. And so he's got to be seeing that number one. And then you see the rest of his team, the rest of this team that was constantly, constantly undisciplined, disorganized every single game. And what would he do? He would go out there and blame the team for being disorganized and unprepared on the team, not doing enough what he wanted them to do. Even if he didn't say it that way, that's what he said in all of his press conference, in all of his post-game pressers. And after a while, and after seeing the pattern of behavior, particularly the way that... uh, he, he uh, uh, handled himself and the organization during the whole Sashi uh, way that that went down. Which I think, again, the more time that goes on, and particularly after today, uh, certainly opens up that wound about what was the right call. But I'm going to leave that alone for for today. Not going to get into that. But I am still. I'm still on this moment where Hugh Jackson comes in, and now he sees that same team offensively, defensively, and yes, even uh, in special teams, considering all they were doing is kicking extra points during the time, just come out and pistol whip his team. His team that he both left and went back to. 
And he's, by the way, his job there's particularly, it's assistant to the head coach, which is just hilarious. It's so hilarious. You consider the office connotation. Um, <clears throat> He's, he's the assistant to the head coach, but he's supposed to be helping primarily on defense. And Baker's out there shredding his defense. So what ends up happening is on this play, again, Schobert comes through. Greg Williams is able to you know, call up, dial the right defense, beat the court. That's what, you know, football in many ways is, uh, you know, what is how many, how many plays happen in a game? I think an off. I think what is it? 120, 130, 140 some odd plays happen in a, in a given game, for, uh, for all, start to finish, and so each one of those plays is the the comprehensive ability of the offensive and defensive coordinators to beat each other in the chess match, and then for the players, once that chess match you know has has been won or lost, to make the plays. And then you got the talent, you know, disparity, and and so on. And that's you know, I, I, you have sixty minutes of that, and that's that's what the game is. And Greg dialed up a play that won that position. Okay, so now it's time for uh, the players to execute it. Schobert got through, put on enough pressure. Dalton, you know, could have thrown it away, could have done any number of things, but instead, down by twenty-one, trying to make a play, overthrows the receiver, and the pass is intercepted by Demarius Randall. And Randall gets up. He runs out of bounds, and who's standing right there but Hugh Jackson? And what does Randall do? Not in a cocky way, not in a, uh, a, a, a uh, in your, but just in a, in a very almost jovial, matter of fact, almost loving buddy boy type way. Hands him the ball. Hands Hugh Jackson the ball. This is a moment. This is this is a moment that is captured uh, in the collective psyche of everyone watching it, particularly because of what happens next. Because what happens next is Baker takes him right down the field and scores another touchdown. This time on a magnificent uh, catch by Nick Chubb, who had. I mean, I'm going to talk about him too because Chubbers had a, a really tough. I mean, the Bengals' defense was was they came to play in the run game, and Chubb had a, had a difficult time all game getting going on that. But um, he really. Um, made it happen in the passing game when called upon to do it, uh, particularly on that touchdown pass. But then also uh, really kind of came through late in the game. They needed to have a big run. He had a big run, which ended up bringing his uh, total game average up over three yards. I mean, it was it was tough all day for him. But, uh, but he, I hand it to Freddie Kitchens for continuing, even though it wasn't working, to try, because they, they put up two stats um, – and I'm not off the beaten path here. I'm not. I'm still not off of this moment. Uh, but the, uh, the they put up a stat line where they had uh, Chubb's stats. You know, like 22 carries for 45 yards, and then Mayfield's stats, which by that point were like 260 some yards, four touchdowns, no picks, like 70 percent completion, whatever it was. And so when you, um, which by the way has to be, you know, he was the only rookie to ever have. Uh, four touchdown passes, or I'm not, not, not four touchdown. I, I, I don't know how many four. I don't know how many rookies have had four touchdown passes in a game. But I know that he was the only uh, rookie to have uh, four t- uh, a, a passer rating of over 150 in a, in his rookie year. And so I, I wonder because what he was at today. I wonder if he got there over today is what I'm getting at. Uh, just, just, just bear with me here for a moment as I uh, type this, as, as I look this out. But again, if it, it he was the only one to ever do it, um, 
and this and this is also coming off a strong performance against the Chefs. You remember we got uh, beat down for the. Uh, um, I mean, our defense was totally out, completely out. Uh, I mean, the, the, what the, what the Chiefs had going up against were the injuries that we had. We just there was no shot. There just there was just no shot. Uh, but then you saw, you know, last then again, um, the performance against the Falcons. You saw much, you know, much more comfortable um, performance. Okay, so his rating today was one hundred forty three point nine. That's what I, I was stalling to get to that point. So not so his only rookie to ever get up over one hundred fifty as a, in his rookie game in his rookie year. But the and probably a uh, a, a a completion. Like a, a, a not an, a, an extra completion for like ten or fifteen yards might have put him up there or close to it. Uh, who knows? But at any rate, in the stat line, nineteen of twenty six, two fifty eight, four touchdowns, no picks. Anybody going to complain about that rookie year? Um, and by the way, I'm not again. I'm not off at this moment because this moment was huge. But you know how I do things. I you know I'll, I'll I'll talk about something, then I'll get off on a tangent. I'll go down 25 rat holes or rabbit holes before I will eventually get back to the what the original point was. But um you know this uh this this overall rookie performance by uh by Mayfield is is just very very you know not in kind with what you would expect it's very much not what some people because I went I said I had a chance to go back to um, listen to some of the commentary about the quarterbacks that were coming out in the draft prior to the draft and what some of the people were saying about and then short and then afterwards what people were saying about the Browns selecting Mayfield and as you will recall uh, to the, uh, I, I don't know, maybe ever since probably October or so of uh, 2017, um, I was very enthusiastic about the Browns selecting Baker Mayfield, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I, I was pretty much no doubt about it. I don't really need to go into it much further than that. You'll recall, and if you don't, you can go back and listen to it or read it if you want to, but Suffice it to say, I was on board, and I was pretty excited when we made the selection, um, as has been as has been documented. Now, having said that, there are legitimate reasons why people um, could have had misgivings. I don't think that many of them had to do with the on-field play. I think that there was some concern. He had this little his wonky thing that he would do on deep passes. I mean, you've seen he got no problem with the arm strength, but for his deep balls, for the, which for the most part he was pretty accurate on, but the the real deep passes, he would do this kind of wonky wind-up thing, and that was, okay, fine. That's part of his mechanics. You could look at it and you can say, that's something that you, d- you just don't want to see that. Uh, you'd like to see that get cleaned up. All right, you've, it's already been cleaned up, by the way. That that thing that I'm talking about, you, you can see it on the college tape. You won't see it on his rookie tape. It's gone. Um, the, the the delivery at all levels is nice and crisp and clean and exactly what you're looking for. It's perfect. It's it's in fact the entire pocket presence, delivery, all of that is perfect. You can't do it any better than Mayfield does it. I'm just being for real here. Uh, and it pretty much was when he was in college. But what you've seen so far at the at the rookie level, <clears throat> it's uh, 
it's 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 everything that you that that you that you'd want it to be. But there's but then after but as I say, it's understandable if you didn't think that it was going to work out for a team to select him. Uh, and again, I'm fine if you want to use that, but because of the whole off the field stuff, which really the off the field stuff consisted of him getting a, a drunken disorderly where the way it happened, uh, the way I understand it, uh, it to have gone down was there was a fight. He wasn't a part of the fight, but he called the cops on the people that were in the fight and he was, you know, intoxicated. And during this, he's being questioned by the cops and for some reason decides that he's done being questioned with the cops. So he decides he's going to haul ass. And when he does, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I usually don't ever, I, I, I apologize if you got, if you, if you didn't, if you didn't, okay, I'm just, I don't usually do that. But anyway, he decides he's going to, he's going to bail. And in the process, he doesn't get very far uh, because sober cops and multiples of them in pretty good shape against uh, drunken, you know, rookie quarterback sensation. It wasn't, uh, well, in this case was probably, I would think it was uh, junior quarterback sensation didn't last long and he gets slammed into uh uh like a like a like a park bench or something anyway the um it, it wasn't a good look and there's there's other stuff the people were concerned about the whole crotch grab thing against kansas which we've talked about you know all over the place and the concern was that he was somebody that you could rattle him or that the off-field stuff was going to be a problem like it was for Johnny Manziel. Now, Johnny Manziel is, you know, the, I think the only reason why he's an apropos um, comparison in this scenario is because he was drafted by us, and he's the last first-round quarterback drafted by us. The fact that he is, and he's shorter than Baker, but that he is a short quarterback short by comparison to guys that normally are drafted in the first round and that baker also is is another reason why and that really is and you go back to listen to people that were disparaging the browns making the selection a lot of them, like shannon sharp was one of them he's not the only one i'm just you I just i just happened to hear him the point is that as i was kind of going back and for no particular reason i just happened to have heard some of this as i was doing other stuff over the over the long weekend and it was that um uh, that no quarterbacks over six foot tall make it over that blah 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 blah. Which okay, fine. All that stuff. Then it's understandable for people to look past. I, what, what I'm saying is that while I was very gung ho, 100, percent and I'm not the only one. There were plenty of people that were like me that were this guy's it. He's 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 all of it. He's the only answer. He's the only guy you should even be looking at. And there were others that were like, yeah, if we're just talking about ability, I'm all the way there with you, but we're not just talking about ability. We have to consider this off-the-field stuff. So I, if, if you can promise me that the off-the-field stuff is nothing to worry about and he's going to be cool um, once he gets to the pro level, well, then I'm good with it because everything that I'm seeing on the tape is everything that I want to see in a quarterback. Uh, and there were some people that because of the the whole thing like you get i think you get what's called you know confirmation bias that everything then that you see him do wrong you see it as confirming whatever you had as your bias going into it. and look when i first went into it i thought the same thing short quarterback it's like manzel uh, you know, case had a lot of success, but plays, you know, in a, a wide open conference where that you know the defense isn't really showcased. Then you got to kind of really look past the numbers and see what was really accomplished there. Because Baker wasn't merely, you know, 
putting up big numbers in college. Baker was putting up unbelievable numbers in college in in ways that nobody else had ever done it before. But there was more to that. There, it was it was all about the traits. It's like I say, you can't scoreboard watch, and you can't. Um, look at metrics as everybody wants to do this and this isn't i'm not not a dig at anybody in particular we all want to do this we all want to find the formula or the numerical uh, equation that's going to tell us who's going to be good in the draft season which players are going to, and i think to some extent you can do that there, there is a formulaic way that you can look at the different position groups and when we get into the off season this year uh, you know, I'll talk about that at, at length. I think that I've learned quite a bit over the last couple of years about, particularly because we have spent so much time in focusing on the quarterback, that I, I've spent a lot of time scouting all of these guys that have come out the last three, four years. I've spent a lot of time watching tape on, and, and I've, again, it comes to, it's, it's like the easy three-year rule, when that's what, which is, by the way, it's not just the easy three-year rule, that's the meathead three-year rule as well. He's, you know, I, the, the, it's the easy meathead three-year rule on judging either drafted players or draft drafted classes before rendering an ultimate verdict, which is the right, smart way to do. It. There are exceptions, of course, uh, and I think this draft class and a lot of the individually drafted players are an exception. Holy smokes, um, Mayfield being, of course, the uh, the chief among them. But you've got a. Um, a a a player out there that's performing exceptionally well, and the other, as I say, the 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 rule is that you have to uh, give um, quarterbacks when you're gauging them, when you're judging them in the draft, you've got to got to got to. There's no way around this. You must give your final deference, your final analysis, conclusion, how you evaluate quarterbacks. Now, look, at, I'm, I'm going to tell you where I come, wh- wh- what my track record is on this. In uh, 2014, no, 2015, 24, well, 2014, I really, really wanted Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, beyond that, I would have taken Derek Carr. Um, I like Blake Bortles at the end because he got talked up a lot. And I had Manziel after all those guys. So take it for what it's worth. And But I wasn't really scouting as much as I just kind of really liked. I watch a lot of college football, uh, which I still – and actually I've gotten back into doing more of that lately, which I'm happy about. But uh, 2015, I spent – you know, actual, you know, a little bit more time with it. And I really liked uh, Jameis over Mariota. We didn't really have a shot there, and we weren't going to draft a quarterback. We weren't going to trade up, particularly after taking a quarterback at 21 the year before, no matter how bad and and just no matter how bad the Manziel situation looked after his rookie year, wasn't going to happen. But I liked Jameis significantly more than Mariota. I didn't especially like Mariota, and I didn't really have too many other people, like, in that class that I... Uh, was really kind of looking at in, and I don't even actually remember too many other people. I'm sure if I went back and looked at it, there's guys, and there may be even people that have performed. Uh, was Driscoll in that class? I don't remember. Of course, he came out and played today. But that was, and look, uh, you can you can say whatever you want about that uh, summation, but look at what look at what Jameis did today. Look at what Jameis does for the rest of this year. I, to me, I think the Buccaneers got very not that anybody cares, and you shouldn't, but they went out there and smoked uh, the the 49ers today with Jameis out there playing great. Just watch what he looks like at the end of the year. He may sh- end up saving uh, Dirk Cutter's job, and that dude does not deserve to have his job saved. But Jameis may actually save it for him uh, down the stretch. Whatever. 
feel free to judge me. It's been over three years in that case. If you want to say that Mariota's better than Jameis, fine. I'm sticking with it. Uh, I think before it's all said and done, the, there's not going to be much of a question that Jameis is going to be the better quarterback in that scenario. Now we move on to 2016, and in this drafted class, I would have been good with taking either Jared. And, I, and by the way, each year of these, I watched significantly more tape than the year prior because I just got more, uh, I don't know, my, my routine down as to how to do it better than I had the year before. So 2016, I watched a lot of Jared Goff, a lot of, of uh, Carson Wentz. I did like Connor Cook, but I also didn't realize that he had the injury. Um, but I was basically fine with taking either Cook or uh, not Cook, uh, either Goff or Wentz number one overall. I thought that when the Yams jumped up to um, to leapfrog us, I thought they were doing it to take Wentz. I did not think they were doing it to take Goff. But I would have been perfectly happy sitting there at two and taking either Goff or Wentz. Uh, as it turned out, it would have been Wentz, and I would have been good with doing that. In retrospect, in hindsight, I'm glad. You know, I'm actually kind of glad the way it all worked out. And again, I'm, I'm moving. I'm matriculating back to the whole the moment, <laughs> the big moment of today. Um. But I, I still um, would, ha- you know, I, I would have done though in that circumstance. But at this point, anybody going to tell me that uh, Jared? So, and I, but I liked Wentz a little bit better. I a little bit better than Goff. I liked Carson Wentz. I, I got to tell you, I'm almost to the point of thinking that I may have uh, been wrong about that. I mean, Goff may be the better of the t- of the two. Whereas it looked a year ago, like uh, like like it was the act, the or at least at least a year and a half ago that the, the absolute opposite of that was true. But, hey, that's why you got to see how these things play out. That's why you got to give it a little bit of time, my people. And I'm certainly... And I, I realize I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, kind of pronouncing Baker as the savior of the franchise, but he is. But I'm saying um, it, it, there are exceptions to all of this. I'm just telling you where I come down on, on my, my whole... Why I am giving you this axiom of, uh, of you know tape being the way that you have to do this. In tw- and, there, and there really weren't too many other people outside of those two that I was looking at that I was especially excited about. Uh, I really, I could, quite honestly, I didn't even know who Cody Kessler was until we drafted him. Um, and then I found out, and you know, he uh, he was who he was. 2017, I was very high on Mahomes, and I had him by again by about an eyelash, by about that same margin I had Wentz over Goff. I had Mahomes over Trubisky. Now. Right now, it, or initially, it looked like uh, that was wow. You over you know, you should have had a much larger uh, margin on Mahomes, and yeah, Mahomes looks fantastic and um, certainly looked like he and and I was, you know, I, I was I would have been content with taking him number one overall. As it turned out, I was very happy with uh, with taking Miles, and there's a reason for that too because the way that you uh, you gauge edge players, I think, is different from how you gauge quarterbacks. But be that as it may, it's all an exact science. It's the point here. Uh, and I was maybe I, – actually, I don't even remember if I had – with Watson and Kaiser, I was basically – I had Watson ahead of Kaiser, I think, for most of the year. And then maybe at the very end because of Semtex, yep, yep, that was exa- – which, by the way, Kaiser or uh, Watson may be in the process of debunking completely if he uh, continues to have the strong sophomore performance that he's having. But um, – that was kind of the order that I had. Mahomey, Trubes, uh, Trubs, drop off, and either Watson, Kaiser, Kaiser, Watson, depending on wherever I was, and then everybody else after that. And I think I had Boyd uh, was the guy that I liked after that. Last year, 
Yeah, I was very uh, unequivocal about this. Baker was number one. No two ways about it. He was number one. The number two, basically all the rest of them, uh, I I would say two through um, four, was pretty much uh, Lamb Jacks, Rosen, and Darnold. I realize, really? Jackson? Yeah. And I think that uh, they showed Lamar Jackson today, and he's, he's... He's shown a little bit so far in a limited amount he's played. He's also a rookie, but I think that he showed why, um, you know, Ozzy made a great pick. Damn it. But he's going to end up playing well for the Ravens for a long time, and it's unfortunate. But I had him just ahead of Rosen, Rosen just ahead of Darnold. But I had all those guys pretty close. And then uh, Allen, five. But I liked Allen, and I was happy to see Allen get out there today and look good. I think that Allen gets um, a lot of a lot of negative love. I mean, he just and I don't get it. Um, I, I'm not. I I'm kind of rooting for the kid just because he gets so much hate. Which I because I, I don't I realize that he's he had less than ideal traits in a lot of ways uh, coming out of um, Western Wyoming or wherever that it was just it was uh, Wyoming uh, I think and I don't remember. But either way, he he. Um, He's also got incredible traits in other ways. So, but that was how I had it pegged this year. So, I say all that to say that you can judge me on my performances as I have called these things as they were happening. I believe that it is now. Th- this is this is not you know theory. This is this needs to be accepted law that if you are going to gauge quarterback play as you are draft going into the draft, you've got to watch the tape. And if you watch enough of the tape, I think that you will get a good idea of who you should be taking. And I think that you're going to be way, way further ahead than if you are looking at how tall is the guy, how big are his hands, and how many yards did he put up? And did he do, you know, what was his Wonderlic score? And it's not to say that all of those things individually are completely unimportant. Or if you've got a short guy with tiny hands that didn't put up big numbers, um... You know, and and has a a uh, a noodle arm. Then you know, okay, fine. You know, there's there's variations of all of this, and I'm saying all of this to say that I can understand people not being able to see what Baker Mayfield can do just watching the tape, or that saw enough through the other metrics that people like to go to. And this, again, this isn't a criticism. There's only so much time in any given draft season. Nobody has the ability to watch. I mean, I'll admit, I watched a lot of tape on quarterbacks in the last last couple of drafts, but especially, I really didn't care about really most, most of the other positions last year. I watched quarterback and a couple of other players, and that was about it. This year I'll do more. But with when it comes to quarterback, it's about watching the tape but if you don't want to watch as much tape as i did then you're going to look at other things and it's because you know you have only so much time to watch all of these guys and to gather all this information and by the way i don't say that watching the tape i think generally speaking it's the best way to get the best information on anyone but i don't think that it's necessary to watch tape or to give it as high of a consideration as you can do other things like for example the combine i think that miles garrett had a better combine than he had uh, tape. Not to say that his tape... By, by the way, that would just, just opens up a whole big debate from draft season 2016 uh, about the tape on Miles Garrett. But but the combine blew everybody away. It was like, okay, that's got to be the guy. And he's proven because because that changes the tape. The combine doesn't really change much of the tape. The combine really... 
goes a long way towards showing if what you see on tape from a player holds up. But that but you don't really get, you don't really see a lot of that at the combine at the quarterback level. You know what the quarterback does at the combine doesn't really matter all that much. It's what you know as long as he doesn't totally defecate all over himself or have you know he comes out of the interview process like man that guy's an a hole, or even unless he wants to for whatever reason or maybe reasons to do that unless you want an a hole as your quarterback and there's sometimes there's reasons that you want to have that. There's a lot of people that think that Baker's that way in a in a uh, cocky cocksure way. But all that say that if you are a let's say for example you are a national radio host. And you know, I'm not going to mention anybody by, by name, but let's just say that you're some turd out there that just no matter how much Baker shows that he's special, no matter what he does, as I'm waiting, you know, if you were such an individual that had a program like that, what you would say after a performance like today. But all, but it, go, it also ties into, I can understand you trying to come up with reasons why. You would because if you were so terrible, it's like the guy, it's like the idiot that went and I'm not, and I'm you know not trying to be. I say idiot almost sympathetically. Like I wish he wasn't such an idiot because then he wouldn't have said I'll eat horse crap if they draft Mayfield number one overall. Well, and then he ended up. I, I know he said he would do it. I don't know if he did, but either way, the, I can understand you telling yourself a whole bunch of things to justify your bad. Um, analysis going into both drafting him and then maybe after the first game or a couple of games or that bad three-game stretch. But if you're Hugh Jackson and Baker's there in practice from day one, looking and look, you saw it on hard knocks. There were things that they actually showed in hard knocks. And then you saw it in the first couple of preseason games where it's like this kid is doing stuff. How come he's at least not getting any reps with the ones? And so then you see him go out there and you see him put up this performance. Any village halfwit can look at this situation and say, you know, he probably would be even more advanced at this stage of his development if he would have just been starting and getting all the reps from the very beginning. But you know, in an odd sort of way, it's kind of like the uh, the song Ironic, which I don't know if I can even, because that's probably a three-hour conversation just right there, talking about how the song Ironic by Alanis Morissette actually is the definition of irony, but it's just not worth getting into right now. Um, but as it relates... Not that not that anything ever relates to anything. In fact, this is probably a uh, a good time to uh, step away. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It. Just going to take a short time out to um you know to, to do what we do here now on Dogs by Nature, uh, which is you know coming off a, a Browns win, the new era of us being good. And uh, when when I'll return, I'll first of all I'll pay off and talk about the other seminal moment in today's game. And it's all related to the same thing. It's all related to the first one can't believe how much time I've spent on this moment, the handing of the ball from Demarius Thomas to, to Hugh Jackson. Um, when we get back, this is, like I say, this is Easy Weave. Um, I am Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. Holla at you in a moment. What I'm really getting at is if Hugh really had been lying to himself and it was everybody but him, then seeing that first half play out the way that it did, culminating in Demarius Randall, 
You remember Demarius Randall was the guy on that first episode of Hard Knocks, was just kind of standing there with Denzel Ward, just kind of openly mocking the fact that he wasn't doing what Hugh told him to do, and Hugh was, like, watching him do it. And they were just kind of like Demary that guy that guy, and plus that's also the same guy. <laughs> this is the same guy. You may not know this, but when Hugh got signed by the Natty, it was Demarius Randall of all people, who I love by the way. This guy just shot up. He's like he's almost at Baker uh, Miles status with me. Miles, yeah, I I I I still love Miles with the passion of a thousand white hot suns. But I, but you know he just had, he had he had a few rough moments today. Also had a big sack, so whatever. Um, but <laughs> you know, Demarius—he's—he was—he he even said he. In fact, he went out there on Twitter to say, "Oh, no, AJ Green, we're gonna, we're going to beat the." Hell. Basically, told him that we were going to beat the hell. Which I'm I'm don't I'm not usually down for bulletin board material, but you can kind of see you can kind of see this one shaping up this way. On paper, it really did look like we were going to come out and and knock these guys around a little bit, which of course means that we were in for a letdown. Which is why even you know all the way up until we stopped them on that fourth down play late in the game, you thought that they were going to we were going to blow this and that they were going to come back and win it with Jeff friggin' Driscoll as as their quarterback. You, that's what you thought. Admit it. You thought that's what was going to happen. I know it's all good. I, you know, I was going to think of the same thing. I'm no better than anybody else out there. But I'm just saying, when part of that equation, when you go back and you see those games um, earlier in the year that we lost, and Randall you know, is the one handing you the ball, handing you the ball, saying, look at us stomping out your team. We're the same guys. We're the same guys you were coaching Three weeks ago, well, I guess now it was, uh, no, it was, it was, well, two weeks ago it was Atlanta, three weeks ago it was, so it's now a month ago. A month ago, this was the same team that looked com- utterly feckless, hopeless, and helpless against the Steelers. And they're out there slamming a two-by-four over, you know, across your throat. It's a, you, know, you got to figure, and a large part of that happening is Mayfield going up and down the field. you got to figure that he's got to... If he really believed all the things that he was saying on his apology tour, his apology for having been associated with the Browns tour, if if he actually believed all of that, then at that moment, is he still trying to conjure up defense mechanisms... That could possibly explain, like maybe now it's everybody, his new teammates and his new coaches in uh, and colleagues in Cincinnati. It's now all their fault that this is happening, or is the realization that he was actually the problem is that sinking in at any level? I don't know why I am I am, I, I am so keyed in on Hugh Jackson's psyche on a, a day like today, but it's just you got it, but it's it's just I, well, I know why it's because it's tremendously fascinating to me. What is he is he is, is he coming to the realization that really he was the problem and Randall handing him the ball in that moment couldn't have any more stamped an exclamation point on that reality or is it that he's still and, and if and if not if it didn't happen in that moment did it happen a few moments later when Baker makes another brilliant touchdown pass this one to Chubbers to uh to go up by four touchdowns and I say that moment because that's that's the sort of thing, you know. It's like Carl Nassib getting a sack against us again in uh, Tampa. 
you know, we're always the butt of the joke. We're always the one where, you know, Jeremy Hill goes and, and talks all sorts of trash about us a couple of years ago and then comes in and just leaves his footprint all over our face in the actual game. That same game, Marvin Lewis talks about how you know, he's not really worried about playing a midget, and the Bengals come in and just knock our you-know-what's in the dirt. And, you know, they're, and they're out there showboating the entire game. And they, they, they've been doing this to us for years. Not just them. The Ravens have been doing it to us. The Steelers have been doing it to us. Everybody's been doing it to us. Teams haven't taken us seriously until now. And I, by the way, I don't think that that is what happened to the Bengals today. I don't think that they took us, that they didn't take us seriously. I think they just couldn't handle what Baker Mayfield was doing to them offensively. Defensively, they just were out-schemed and out-coached by Greg Williams. It's amazing how much better he has been as a defensive coordinator since Hugh has been gone. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing how much better Greg Williams has been as an as a defensive coordinator since Hugh Jackson has been gone? But uh, hey, two and one since taking over as the interim guy, and the way this is looking, we have the Panthers next. I don't know what the schedule looks like, but hey, uh, things looking pretty good out there. I like I like the way this uh, this whole thing is coming down. Now the Bengals had a lot of things going up against them. And we, we, we damn near would have to run the table for probably for Greg to get a lot. Well, actually, I said when, uh, when this whole thing happened, he'd probably have to get five, get a winning record, five and uh, three to, uh, to get it done. And, hey, you know, he's, he's two and one. But it's not just the being two and one. It's the team looking so much better, so much more organized other than the special teams. And Randall handing the ball to Hugh there was just so huge. And the other, so I said there was two moments. The other one was at the end of the game. It's when Hugh is making the rounds, and and you know I think that this is this may go away towards uh, answering the first question that I had about the guy, because you figure after a game like that, the guy's got to be crushed. You would think, right? If you were him, I, I'm putting myself, and I don't know why I'm doing this part. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just who I am. But I, 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 I keep putting myself in. The, if I were this guy, how would I be feeling about this? And at the end of the game, you just got beat down by your former team that looked like dog arse, you know, a month ago with you at the helm, and for about the previous month prior to that. And they come out here and just beat beat you up and beat you down, and you go up to Mayfield and try to like. You know, show some, you know, embrace him, and Mayfield kind of was like, "Yeah, I'm good." <laughs> it was like, "I'm, I'm, we're, we're, you know, I'm good," and he just kind of was like, "Yeah, good to see you. Have a good one." And that was it. Um, you know, maybe you don't think that's classy, but I think that there's, I think that there was a, a legitimate reason why Mayfield went from, and and this is kind of what I was getting at earlier. Eh, maybe maybe talk about this. Probably should. Probably should have had a a big long uh, you know Thanksgiving episode talking about the the uh, the psychology of uh, of this, but <clears throat> just gonna you know mention it a little bit. You know Baker comes in cold off the bench against the Jets. Had not done had not had any first uh, team reps. This is one of the amazing. This is one of the things that I that I harped on. With the expectation that now, once he gets the first rep, the first team reps, that he's going to get even better. But he came in off the bench without first team reps and looked sensational. Remember his, his stats were like seventeen to twenty three for like two oh three, something like that. Which and then like you know had several drops in there. And then you know you saw some of that again with Oakland, but then you saw like it just seemed as 
as the, and he was the starter immediately after that. It's not like he went back to be, being a second fiddle to Tyrod. You know, he was a starting quarterback from that point on, and you would think that that would mean that he would have gotten even better. And he did, it seemed, like against against Oakland, and he did some plays against the Ravens, but then it really seemed like he was taking some steps backward. And, you know, that, and that could maybe cause some of the, the national uh, the pundits and so on, and maybe Hugh himself to think that, you know, this is why, this is, this, this is, this is what enables me to blame everybody else, because, you know, I told everybody that he wasn't ready, look at how he's regressing. Even though he had moments against uh, the Bucks and, and to a lesser extent against the Chargers and the um, the Steelers, but really those were, that was the worst stretch of football um, of the of the year for him. And then after Hughes removed from the equation, now all of a sudden it looks like he's picked up where he left off in the, after the Jets game against the Chiefs. Now he makes a bad throw against the Chiefs. Two weeks in a row now, or two games in a row now, against the Falcons and now against the Bengals. Um, yeah, okay, he had the one throw across his body. I, probably, it really wasn't all that close to being intercepted, but not a good, probably not the best decision there. Not, well, not, not what you want to see in that in that scenario. You have the third and three play where, yeah, okay, maybe you'd like to see him pull it down, maybe run for a first down there instead of trying to feather it in there to Higo. But what else are you really going to? I'm just gonna, you know, count it up in in my in my head right now. He's what, 36 for 46 in the last two games for 400 and what 74 yards. And so what's that? Four 474 on 46 attempts for. Uh, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the last two games. That's that's and that's not counting. And if you throw the, uh, you know, the Chiefs game in there, he was almost at 300 in that game. And that would be, uh, what nine touchdowns, one pick in the last three games. All I'm saying is that you take Q out of the equation. All of a sudden, he looks like he's picked up in the last two games. I'm I'm saying the last two games. I don't know that any rookie quarterback has played better ever. That Baker, the Baker Mayfield has played his last two games as a rookie, and you see that I, I really think that that moment there at the end of the game was Baker uh, kind of showing his lack of appreciation for Hugh stifling not just him, but apparently the entire rest of the team, which also seems to include Greg Williams in his defensive uh, capability and also uh, the offensive capability that we had now under the tutelage of uh, Freddie Kitchens, who for the third game in the row looks like the real deal. You know, you put up put up 35 points today. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. 35, 35 points is a high-five bar type uh, offensive performance. That's one where you look at and you say, hey, we, did, we did good today, boys. That's that's You're happy about that. You're, 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 there's not, there's nothing. Yeah, I mean, maybe you, you want to push the pedal to the metal and whatever, so that way it, it does, so that way you don't feel anxious, you know, later in the game. But they did it basically how you do it. You know, you get up by a bunch of points, and the other team's going to be, be, you know, basically chasing its tail the whole rest of the game. Um, if, if it would have been Dalton in there instead of Driscoll, chances are he would have tried to have taken more high volume shots. And they probably end up not scoring. So Driscoll may have done better than what um, 
Dalton did. But understand, everything that Driscoll did today was 100%, I'm going to love saying this, 100% garbage time. Now, it would have been less so if he's able to convert it there at the end, but the point is, he wasn't able to. The Browns took their foot off the gas pedal, except for when they absolutely needed to. And look, in the the previous possession, Miles gets there, they stop him. They a rookie mistake by Avery, that ends up giving gifting them a touchdown. Okay, fine. Now you've got um, late, you know, next opportunity, and they. I think they even got another uh, gift on a it was something holding or whatever, and they're able to stop him because uh, talent wise, this is a very good team. This is a very good team talent wise. By the way, and I, you know, I'm not one to say you know I told you so. I just I don't do that, but I'm just saying there was some speculation by some. <clears throat> prior to the chef's game and that whole thing being taken over by uh, by Freddie Kitchens that not just Baker but the that the offensive line would look much better that wouldn't not only look better but much better and we're talking now two games now where they haven't surrendered a sack and I don't think that the chefs got to us that many times I don't recall that happening I, I just remember Baker um for the most part, playing a, pre- a much better game than what he had played previous weeks. And then he plays his best game of the year against the Falcons and then follows that up with his best game of the year today. And if he continues playing his best game of the year every game for the rest of the season, guess what, guys? We're not going to lose another game. And I'm talking about all the way through to the end of the postseason. Now, I'm not, you know, I, I, I am not, even I am not that ridiculous. Um, I am not suggesting, implying, asserting, or um, certainly hoping, but I am not in any way trying to push the notion that we are going to win out uh, or that the playoffs are a legitimate thing that we can look at. I mean, we do play the Bengals again. We do play the Ravens again. uh, So I could see that happening, and if that did happen, that would get us up to six wins. The other teams that are on our schedule now are the, uh, the Panthers, the Texans, and uh, who am I missing here? There's uh, the, and the and the Broncos. No, and look, none of those, none of the five games left on our schedule are easy. Don't want to give that impression. I'm just saying there's three teams, there's three games on there that I'm saying we could go in and win like we won today or like we won last week against Atlanta. That could happen. So even if that did happen, that'd be up to seven wins. If we finish the year seven, eight, and one, pff, and then what did I say at the beginning of the year? That if Mayfield was the uh, if the pick, that eight wins would be the floor, and and look, I'll bring it up because it's you know it's 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 always I I don't have a problem admitting when I'm I will make outlandish uh, uh, pronouncements and uh, you know prognostications and predictions, and if I'm wrong, I will admit that I'm wrong. But this is the thing I think if the the, the part of the uh, calculus on my part was that no coach that needs a quarterback enough that he's going to draft him where you would have to draft a guy like Mayfield is going to sit him compared to whoever else where I just totally did not um you know I just completely underestimated that Hugh Jackson would be above all of that and would just would would just would do would do what he could to everything he could so that Baker didn't even get a chance to be and, and in the moment the Baker gets in the on the field with the first team it, it's oh, wow all of a sudden it's amazing how good he is well he was good the whole time 
so I think if Baker starts, we and I said this earlier in the year, if Baker starts, we absolutely beat the Steelers, and we probably beat the Saints as well. So whatever, it didn't go down that way. I was wrong about because I also I said I I said that if Baker was drafted, he would be the starter. I was wrong about that. I said eight wins would be the floor, but if we finish seven, eight, and one, eh, I'm gonna feel pretty good about that going into uh, this postseason. But that's not to say that uh, that we couldn't run the table here. I mean, if we go out there and put together a game plan like we did today, yeah, uh, we absolutely can and should beat every team that's left on our schedule. But I mean, that's a that's a long that's a lot of ifs there. And you know, we're going up against a team. I think I, I think yeah, I, should, I do have the internet right here. Uh, whoever it is that we have next, it's going to be a team. That uh, it's going to be taking us very seriously. You know, I was making this comparison today. That no, it's the uh, it's the uh, the Texans. That's a tough game. That is going to be a tough game. It's winnable. We can absolutely win that one, and it's in their house. Uh, we can go in there and we can play them tough, but that is going to be a tough game. If we're going to go out, if we're going to come out of there with a win, we're going to have to bring. Um, as I alluded to this earlier, the the OSU Michigan game all week long. I'm hearing about how Michigan is the class of of the Big Ten. How you know it's it's basically was a it was a fait accompli. They were they were going to essentially uh, they were, the play, the game was a formality, and as soon as they lined up and played on Saturday, it was over. Michigan was going to win and win big, and Ohio State might as well not even bother showing up because it was going to be not just a loss, but an embarrassing loss, and it was finally going to be you know what they call it, the revenge tour. Um, well, what ended up happening when they actually started playing is Ohio State went out there and put up more points on Michigan's defense than their basketball team has allowed all year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 62 big ones. And honestly, it uh, there was there was a kind of a fluke moment there at the end of the first half, but really Ohio State um and and I made, you know, the prediction to uh the you know group of people that that talk amongst each other on Facebook all the time. And of course, always the goal is to talk smack to Corey. And I'm and he's he's a Michigan guy. And he was among these people that were that you know were basically counting the uh the chickens uh before they had displayed an ability to 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 turn on him. And when he was doing this, I said, you know, if Michigan is buying their own press, if if they believe their own hype, and if they, and I think by the way, this is something that we did going into that Chargers game a little bit earlier this year. Maybe not, but I think perhaps it's an element. But if Michigan goes into this game against the Buckeyes, thinking all we got to do is show up and it's over, we're gonna we're gonna beat the brakes off these guys. Well, um, if that happens. OSU may very well run them out of the stadium. And that's exactly what happened. Or at least OSU running them out of the stadium is exactly what happened. Michigan was absolutely no match for what the Buckeyes could do offensively. They simply had no answer. And honestly, they they really couldn't do much against OSU's offense until the game was pretty much totally... Or against OSU's defense, except for um, a couple of... And put together a couple of good drives and scored some points, but they weren't certainly doing it at the level of uh, that Buckeyes were putting up points. And they got lucky with the uh, the muffed kickoff, and otherwise they really didn't do a whole lot against Ohio State's defense until the game was pretty much out of hand. So you know, all that to say, it's it's if I thought if we came into this game believing our own press 
and believing that we are all we got to do is show up here and it's our time. And I think that there was some of that with Hugh against against the Chargers. But the Browns today weren't like that at all. They came into this game ready to they came into this game ready to punch the Bengals in the mouth. And Baker came in first drive, you know, six of six or whatever he was. Uh, and it didn't matter. You know, the thing I'm noticing with this guy is when he's on, you're not going to see necessarily a receiver put up a, a particular wide receiver put up numbers. You're going to see who is whoever is open get the ball. And that, you know, today it was touchdown passes to what? He threw four touchdown passes. I know one of them was the Callaway, one of them was to Njoku, uh, one of them was the Fells, and the other one was the Chubb. So that's four guys, four touchdown passes. He's going to throw it to whoever's open. And uh, that's, you know, and Duke, by the way, wasn't a major factor in the game plan today. What's that say? That says Duke has had a lot of success the last couple of games, so the Bengals are probably keying on him. Freddie Kitchen comes in, puts in a totally different game plan, and it honestly looked like that screen pass to Njoku? The thing was brilliant. The one down by the goal line? I, that, I mean, yeah, Baker made the pass, and Baker was, was you know, great the whole day. But that was, that, that was play calling. That was design. That was, and we were doing that. We absolutely we had their number. And you got to hand it to this coaching staff. They, they really they had, they were dialed in. Really a complete team performance other than, again, the special teams uh, doing their level best to I mean, if Late game situation, he gave up a 34-yard punt return. It's, it's, it's just, I, I'm so ready for anybody else to be coaching the special teams. But whatever. Offensively and defensively, they came out there and they were the better team today. And there's no reason to not be to be anything other than happy, jubilant, excited, and um, savoring this one. First win against the Bengals, which, by the way, now we are 2, what? We are 2, 1, and 1 in the division. Right, we got two games left in the division against the Bengals and the Ravens. Two, two, and one in the division. You realize we stand an excellent shot of having a winning season. Now, how does this work, though? This, this something is not right because we uh, we lost to the uh, <clears throat> the Steelers. We beat the Ra- yeah. We're no, we're two one and one. Okay, well, I'm saying we have a a legitimate shot. To, yeah, that's four games. We have a legitimate shot to finish with a winning record in the division. When was the last time we had a winning record in the division? I think in 2014. That was when, oh, the last year that we had a, a semi-quasi-decent season. I think that was the year that, uh, let's see, we beat the Steelers. That was the year we beat the hell out of the Steelers. But they beat us in their home place. We split with, uh, we split with the Bengals. We, we split with the Steelers, but the Ravens beat us twice. So when was the last time? Was it was it uh, 07? I know that year we split with the Bengals. We, I think we swept the Ravens that year, and we lost the Steelers both times. So there you go. We haven't had a winning record. I don't even remember. I don't even remember the last time we had a winning record against the division. We are two one and one, and uh, and two and one by the way with Baker Mayfield. So, you know, Baker, undefeated against the Bengals, undefeated against the Ravens, and undefeated uh, with a real coach uh, within the division. And Greg, yeah, Greg Williams, I, you know, I don't know, I, I can't, I don't know how to explain how the defense looks better when he has to take on more responsibility. It's like we talked all year about Hugh Jackson having less responsibility. Maybe that would make him a better coach. And maybe he was marginally. But holy smokes, is this a better looking team? with a very good roster. You realize we have a franchise quarterback. No, I mean, 
There's no – you don't have to invoke the easy three-year rule here. This, we have a franchise quarterback. We have a special quarterback. You know, we, we didn't just <laughs> – didn't just strike oil here. We didn't just strike gold. We didn't just – we you know win the lottery. We 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 won the Powerball. You know, one point four billion. We won the. This is this guy. A guy like him only comes around once in a great great while. That's who we got. Got it. So we got a legitimate franchise quarterback. We got a fantastic young running back who, even though didn't um, you know light it up today like he has for most of the time that he's played this year. Had a, had a very solid performance overall and kept fighting and kept grinding. And then we needed those yards. You know, we needed to keep putting, even though we weren't getting it done on the ground, we needed to keep testing them. We needed to make sure that they were playing honest because it's what was allowing the looks to be available down the field and for the play action to work and for Baker to put up the yardage and the touchdowns that he put up today without getting sacked. And uh, with the uh, and, and I don't even know, if they, I mean, he maybe got hit once or twice the whole game too. So we've got a fantastic running back. We've got a fantastic, a, a tremendous rookie quarterback. We've got an offensive line that all of a sudden looks very good. And we've got a defensive front. You know, we got a, 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 yes, generational pass rusher in Miles Garrett. And Emmanuel Ogba, you know, looked good today as well. We've got players that can get pressure on the passer. Uh, and, and we've got a lot of, you know, I think there's some, there's certainly some, um, we're a little thin at the linebacking core now with Tanner Vallejo having to take a lot of the snaps from uh, Christian Kirksey. And, you know, Avery was, uh, you know, he's having, I think, a very good rookie year, but he's a rookie. So he's going to make some mistakes, and he's playing more of a role now. So the linebacking core, okay, you know, could could do better. but And it'll be we will, I think, be able to get Terrence Mitchell back. So it's still a little thin in the secondary at cornerback specifically, although really um, not really a whole lot to complain about today from, from the cornerback, really from the secondary spot. I thought on defense where we fell flat had to do with, um, them beating us by scheme in the second half. We were basically giving them everything underneath, and then players not making plays, like Garrett not making the tackle on that sack that would have turned a second and 20 into a third and impossible, and instead turned into a touchdown drive for the Bengals. And then on that same drive, you have BBC you know, knifing through and missing the tackle on what turns into like a 20-some, maybe a 30-yard run. That And that, you know, also that same drive turned into a touchdown. So these things happen. And you know, but all that to say, this is a team that's much better coached than it was a month ago, and that had to have been full square hit Hugh right between the eyes. And if it didn't, well, then he's going to have another opportunity to see it up close and personal. We play these guys again in about a month, so in about a month, we're going to see these guys. It's the game before Christmas, and uh, you know, Hugh's going to get. And and by then, you know, by then we we are really going to know. We we have coming up. We've got the the Texans, then we've got the Panthers, then we've got the Broncos. That's our schedule coming up the next three games. Then the Bengals, then we finish up against the Ravens. By the by, that Bengals game, we're gonna know if the the uh, final or the last two games that we've seen here is really who this team is. Because if it is, and if this team looks like it did today, there really is not reason that we can't go out there and run the table. And in fact, if we play like we did today, we are gonna run the table. But that's not where I'm, I'm – I'm suspecting we're probably going to drop at least two or three of those games. But I have an expectation at this point of winning of winning at least uh, two or three of them. You know? I'd say that's – and again, that my my, uh, my expectation coming into the season was 8-8. Eight and eight. 
you know. But that was with Baker starting. What I'm projecting now would end up being, eh, you know, six, what, six, nine, and one. But I think that it would have been eight and eight if uh, if Baker starts. But you know, hey, I, I you, you can't you can't put the toothpaste back back in the tube. I made a prediction. I was wrong about that. Uh, I also made a prediction that the Browns would lose this game. But you know, that's kind of just my that's, that's, that's just kind of my thing. But hey, if you want to throw tomatoes at me, I'm cool with it. Um, or if you want to rejoice, did it sound like I was whining today? I really wasn't. I'm pretty happy overall. I'm pretty happy because the whole point of everything that I just said was that this is a good roster. This is a team that is now getting much better coaching. If Freddie Kitchens actually is a good offensive coordinator, and it kind of looks now, we've got three weeks in a row now, it looks like he is. And Greg Williams is a good defensive coordinator, which kind of looks like last, I mean, even against the, the Chiefs, he was doing some stuff with very limited um, help with the defense, you know, knocked out the way he was. But the last two weeks, looks like the guy's gotten to get, getting it together. Um, this is a very talented roster. There's no reason that these guys – in other words, there is not another roster that is in the NFL that I would look at and I say, that team, we can't beat that team because they are so much better than us. The, the Chiefs were an exception because you know we were so banged up. I think if we had a second shot at them with our full complement on defense, that's a much tighter game and maybe one that we, we pull out. Uh, and, and look – if what I just described happens and we do run the table, let's just follow through with that scenario, shall we? Because right now, I do believe that the uh, the Chiefs have uh, the number one seed. I, I, aren't they the number one seed right now? I know they lost to uh, the Rams, uh, and I don't know if they play today or if they play tonight but or tomorrow, but the, uh, the or if they have a bye week. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what the Chiefs' situation is, but I think that they are the number one seed. So let's say that the way and, and the way that they're playing, it wouldn't be surprising at all if they don't lose another game the whole rest of the way through. So let's say that they do run the table and they win all the rest of their games. They finish with the first seed. If we somehow finish at nine six or nine yeah nine six and one, and we're able to sneak in and get that final playoff spot, I, it, what I'm saying is that there's not a. I don't think there's any chance that the Steelers lose enough game that gives us an opportunity to win the division. So if we're going to get in, we're going to get in through the wild card. And if it's a wild card, the Chargers are very likely to get in front of us. I know they dropped a uh, a game last week to the Raiders and they were looking it was looking a little bit shaky to start this one against the Cardinals, but now they're up. They just scored again here, so it looks like they're going to go up 35 to 10 against Arizona. They are a very good team and they are uh likely to sew up that fifth seed because the way it works, seeding doesn't if you didn't know, maybe you knew this. Seeding in the NFL doesn't work by the teams that have the best records are the top seeds. The way it works is yeah, the, the team that has the best record is the number one seed. The team that has the best record is the, that has the second best record if they're not within the same division. So the team that has the second best divi- you know, d- the second best division champion that has the best record is the number two seed, and then you go through division champions, the four of them that exist. And then you've got two wild cards, and of the two wild cards that are there, uh, the team that has the best record is the five seed and the six seed, respectively. So we would probably get in there with the sixth seed, meaning that if we were to win, regardless who we were playing, if we were to win that wild card game, that would mean that we would be playing the Chiefs again in Kansas City. Now again, the scenario that I am describing 
is extraordinarily far-fetched, and I am not the one making... I'm not saying that this is a possibility, a probability... Well, it's certainly a possibility. It's a possibility if we go out and play like we played today. That's what I'm saying. It's not a probability nor a likelihood. I'm saying if we go out there and play like we did today for our remaining five games, then, yeah, we, we, we will run the table. Because what we did today was the formula for how the Colts uh, won their, all the way through the aughts, which was you get a quarterback playing tremendous, going out there, putting a whole bunch of points on the board, get way ahead of a team, and then the entire rest of the game is getting pressure on their quarterback and making it to where either they are uh, going to be doing nothing because they're just throwing bombs and YOLO passes the whole time, um, or they're going to be you know slowly moving it because you're giving them the underneath stuff, and if they do finally put up some points, you, um, you it takes up so much time that they don't ever end ever actually end up getting close, and that's what happened today. They weren't actually end up close because we got so far ahead of them that uh, they and they were able to score some points later, but they took a whole lot of time to do it, and that's what happens. That's what you do in these scenarios. So um, it's it was a it, look great day, great weekend, great to see the Buckeyes. And you know, maybe I should talk a little bit about whether or not they should get in there. Um, I'm here to tell you right now, Notre Dame is going to get destroyed by whoever they play. Whether it's Clemson or especially if it's Alabama. Uh, nobody is beating Alabama this year. Alab- I mean, I, I don't mean to be uh, Debbie Downer or anything like that. Alabama is able to win championships with the likes of A.J. McCarron or Jake Coker uh, playing quarterback for them. Tua is just... The guy's on a different planet, and that, that dude, if you put that system with an actual good quarterback, forget about it. Forget about it. Nobody is beating them. Nobody, it's not going to happen. All we can do is hope that whoever it is, that first of all, that, that uh, Tua Loga, I hope I'm saying his name right, declares early and goes to the draft as soon as is possible, or and that his replacement is way less than he is. Um, that's basically it. For as long as that, as long as that guy is playing for Alabama, they're not losing a game, and it's not likely they're going to play a close game. Quite honestly, uh, unless there was a another a, a college quarterback at the level of like Baker Mayfield, and I don't really see anybody. Certainly, nobody in the conversation. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, for as well as he has played, I don't think that he's playing at, played at the level of where Mayfield was at last year or. You, know, you think of the real, where Deshaun Watson was at, for example, his his uh, senior season. He was fantastic his senior season, and you would need a player, a quarterback like that, playing at that level, to have a shot to beat Alabama, uh, really at any point in time. But certainly at the level where they're at right now, where you it would have to be another team that's just like they are, where they're stacked um, at every level of recruitment and so on. And then you would also have a great, tremendous uh, quarterback performance. And then you'd have to get some lucky breaks. And uh, and that's not going to happen with anybody. But you know what? We got some lucky breaks today, but mostly we were really, really good. And we were certainly better than uh, than those chumps down in West Pennsylvania. Th- final today, 35-20. to 20. Browns win, Browns win. Browns um, <clears throat> beat up and beat down the Cincinnati Bengals. It was fun being with you today. A little bit longer than usual because I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty amped about where this team is at right now. And certainly so excited to see what's up left, left for the rest of the year. My name is Easy Weave. This has been Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. I love y'all. And until we talk again, good luck. God bless. Take care. So.
Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.